Whoop. Losing papers. Well, good morning. We are now in that interesting time of the year where we're kind of bridged between Christmas and New Year's Eve. And uh, if, if you're like me, in some ways, the chaos continues, you're just more tired. <laughs> you, you haven't fully recovered from Christmas and everything that goes on there, and you definitely aren't ready for a new year and to turn that page over, but ready or not, here it comes. And sometimes, when I get on this side of Christmas, I kind of look and you can get the sense of, well, okay, well, well, what's next? You know, what do we have next? What's this next year have? What's all these? What's in store after Christmas? What's in store for the coming year? And I think we get that also here in the church. We go, all right, we have spent all this time getting ready for Christmas. <sighs> now what? Rest? And that seems to be something that I, keep, I think kind of is natural with this. But what, what's beautiful is that, as, as all of you who are parents know, after the birth of a child, the story's not over. <laughs> the stress, the pressure, the exhaustion doesn't end there, right? That's like only the beginning of forever. And that's the way it is for us as believers and followers of Jesus. The story doesn't end with the birth of Jesus. No, that's still the beginning of it all. Which brings us to today, the first Sunday after Christmas, which is a great day because instead of it just being kind of a lull after the Christmas season, is ha we've had the hoopla and everything, we are already starting on the path to Easter. We are already on the path towards the cross. The moment Jesus was born, he was already on his journey towards Jerusalem, where he would be crucified and where he would die. And that's where we start today, is that journey continues for Jesus and it continues for us. Now, during the past month, during the season of Advent, we've been in a season of preparation where we've been really pressing into and looking at the theme, the Word made flesh. As we read here in John 1, it's about the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. It's about Christ coming, God made flesh, coming to dwell with us, full of grace and full of truth. And those are what we looked at in the, the following weeks. So week one, we broke down Christ as the Word. And week two, we looked at Christ as the truth. And in, in week four, because we had lessons and carols, we looked at Christ as grace. And all of this put together was to show God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness to us, people who are definitely not always faithful to God, and it's not just us today. This has been all of history. We have been unfaithful, yet God has remained steadfast and faithful. If those are sermons that you, you maybe missed those Sunday or something like that, I really encourage you, go back and listen to those, because all of these are going to build up and build to today as well. Whereas you see at the bottom it says, the word made flesh, Christ is love. Christ is love. And this is going to wrap up this series and propel us to where we go into the new year as we march towards the cross with Jesus. But before we even get started on any of these things, I want to ask you to do something with me. I want to ask all of you for an exercise. And this is adults, teenagers, kids, doesn't matter what age. I want to ask you to do something. If you would close your eyes with me for one moment. If you fall asleep, that's okay. The Lord knows that he can still speak to you in your, in your sleep. 
Let's close our eyes for a second. I want you to picture the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what do you love the most? What do you love the most? And then on the other thing I want you to think about real quick, what makes you feel loved? What makes you feel loved? Okay, we can open our eyes because I think that these are things I want us to keep in mind as we break down and really kind of dive deeper into what it means that Christ is love. To think about what we love most and what makes us feel loved. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Is this going to be like a mushy, gushy, like lovey-dove sermon? No, like don't worry. There's no like Disney, like princess thing along the way, although that does shape us a lot. It's going to be something that I'm, what I'm hoping that we can grab from this is that we can see that God's love changes everything about our lives. And that love has been made known to us in Jesus Christ. But before we get to all that, um, we want to continue to think about love. Because love is something we all can grasp a little bit, right? A lot of times, it's boiled down to emotions and feelings. I know that David has mentioned before earlier that even people now, we make decisions not even as much based on fact as feeling. How does this make us feel? What feeling does this elicit from us? How does it move in our heart? Because those feelings shape us so, so much. But what we see is that John has a grasp of love that's much bigger than only feelings and emotions. And that is part of it, but it's so much bigger. And that's bound and founded in the fact that we see in this slide that God is love. And if you guys have your little blanks, this is your first blank. God is love, which means that love is more than just that feeling you get, that satisfaction, that love is rooted in the character and the person of God, in the character and person of Jesus Christ. And in 1 John, we get a whole lot of this. If you want to open your Bibles in 1 John chapter 4, or if you want to kind of just jot down some things, that's where we're going to camp out today. Um, is in 1 John 4, because in verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now, people want to go, what does that really mean? Well, if you go and dive into the language, what God is love means is that God is love. It's that difficult. God is love. There's no catch in there. There's no like, well, like metaphorically speaking. No, like this is like God is love. Love is from God. Love is God. What does that mean then? How can God be love? Well, this is, I love how John Piper uh, put it. He says, John doesn't mean it's from God in the way that letters are from a mailman or even that letters are from a friend. He means that love is from God the way heat is from fire or the way light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into what and who he is. And that is a beautiful thing. It is woven into what and who God is. And that's bigger than the movies that we see. That's bigger than the feelings we feel. That's bigger than the books that we read. 
that's woven into an eternal, eternal character of God himself. So that means that for us as followers of Jesus, as living followers of him, that loving nature is part of who we are. It doesn't just become something we do. A lot of times I think also, like, I don't know about you, like, when I think about love, like, what does it mean to love somebody? I think about outward things, like, this is what I do to show someone that I love them. It's almost like it needs to be measurable, what we see is that, that John is breaking down here is like, it's not a measurable thing. It's woven into the core being of who we are. That that's part of God living in us. When he talks about the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts, that's what that's talking about. About God dwelling in us. His loving character is woven into the core of our being. So that means that when we're talking about love, how do you know you love somebody? How do you know you love your kids? How do you know you love your spouse? How do you know you love your friends, your family? We see here that this is starting to place it in a a realm that's above the regular notions of love that we think of. And it's going to be hard to grasp. If it feels vague to you, yes, it's going to be that way for a little bit. But the great thing is it moves us to our next point that help, John helps us kind of put some skin and bones on what this love means. And that is this point, that God's love is manifested in Jesus. If we really want to know what love is then, then we look at what God has done in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. That God's love has now been revealed to us. It's been manifested, made known. It's been shown to. He's given us the example, this is what love is. And if continuing down into verse 9 of John, 1 John 4, John writes that in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So the key then to understanding love is found in Jesus. It's found in the sending of his son, this self-sacrificing, undeserved gift that gives life. Love gives life. Love doesn't bind. Love doesn't pull down. Love doesn't hold hostage. Love that is found in Jesus Christ is the complete opposite of that. It sets free. It gives light. It gives life. That's what love does. But we see that it's not always feel good. And this is why I said this is not a mushy-gushy thing because that love reached its climax and apex, apex with the death of Jesus on the cross, the slaughtering of the Lamb of God with bloodshed, the bloodshed of Jesus. That love came at the greatest cost of Jesus himself, and that's his life. And we see that kind of self-sacrificial self-depriving, undeserved gift that God has given us. So when we talk about, well, how do we know what love is? How, like John Piper said, how do we feel that heat from the fire? How do we sense that light from the sun? It's right here in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ. Jesus is that heat from the fire. Jesus is that light from the sun. 
And we see that John emphasizes this even more so in John chapter 15, uh, uh, verses 12 and 13, when he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. I am giving you the example of what love is. Don't look to anything else, not even your parents, not even your siblings, not the movies, because Lord knows that's going to lead us into a trap. Don't look into Twilight for those of you who are going to read those things. Look to me. Jesus says, look to me. Love because as I have loved you. And he said, continues saying, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. That he laid down his life. Now, as we continue to move forward, we see there's a whole lot more to unpack. So don't think that I'm just like, oh, here's, that's it. There's a lot more. If you'd love to talk about that, I love going and eating wings. We can go and eat wings. Burritos and tacos are good, too. I'd love to do that. So let me know. We can talk even more about this. But for the sake of today, we're going to press on and move forward. Because as we begin to look at this, then we say, okay, well, if God so loved us, and we, then he continues to say, then we ought to love one another, Right? God's love does not say stagnant in us, in our hearts, and in our lives. It's something that moves forward, that flows through us and outward towards other people. So what does that look like? How does that happen? And that brings us to the last point that we're going to just hit on today. And that's that God's Christ-sending love changes what it means for us to love. Now before we go a little deeper into that, let's go back to what we thought about earlier. Let's think about... What do you love most? And what makes you feel most loved? How do those things start to match up with this love that is rooted in God's character, that's self-sacrificial, that's rooted in the life and death of Jesus Christ, that is eternal? Does, do the things we love and the things that make us feel love only build us up or do they lift him? Do they only make us feel good? Because my guess is it's only for a time and then we need more. It's like a car and gasoline. When I fill up on gas, it'll get me a couple hundred miles down the road, but guess what? I'm going to need to go fill up my car with more gas. And those are the, those things we love. If we root our life in those things, we are going to always run out of fuel. We will always need to go back to find more. If we root that in Jesus Christ, that fuel gauge is never going to get towards empty. That fuel gauge will never go below the full line because it's already abundant and overflowing. How do those things that we love and make us feel loved match up? And with that thought, I want to ask you one more question. What difference does love make? Does love make a difference in your life? When you say you love something, does it make a difference? When you tell your, your spouse you love them, or your friends you love them, or your family, or your, your kids... <laughs> Does that make a difference? What does that mean? Because when God told us that he loved us, as we see here in 1 John and in John 1, it made a difference, not just in your life, not just in my life, not just in our lives, but in everyone's for all eternity. And that's why, like, we've got to root our love in something greater we got to root our lives in something so much more. And that can be tough. Because if I were to guess what we love in these things, we center our lives around those things a lot. Right? 
we make time for the things that we really love and care about. When you're exhausted, when you're worn out, we do that. We make the time happen. And God has done that. He just made all eternity happen for us. In our lives, the things that we love, change every, it changes everything about our lives. And as our, if we love something else, that changes everything. It changes everything that we do. It changes everything that we think. It changes everything we invest in. It changes everything that we believed. And we see that the love of God does that in our lives to where it's not something that just sticks with us. It does get paid forward. It flows out of us. Not as an imitation of God, but in it being grafted to our character too. Changing our hearts. It shapes our identity. It shapes anything you can think of in your life. It'll shape. One of the areas that if we want to put some practicality things that we can like just look at to see like how do we know, how can we look at this? Think about your time. What do you do with your time? Think about it, someone, like the whole little game, like if you had one hour left to live, what would you do? That's a pretty big indicator. It's kind of like a like blah thing to do, and it's like one of those like icebreaker things that you have at like youth group and stuff like that. If you could take three things on a deserted island. But but really think about it. What do you make time for? What do we schedule life for? Is our time with God, is our time here something that is like, if I have time left over, I'll give this to him? Would you do that to your family? If I have time left over at the end of the day, I'll tell my wife I love her. If I have time at the end of the day, I'll tell mom and dad I care about them. If I have time at the end of the day, I'm going to go spend it. You know, we'll see. No. We, like, we make that time. We make time for family. We make time for those things we love. But it's like that, it's like that fuel gauge. We've got to keep on fueling up. And God is here saying, look, I've got a love that never needs to be replaced. And I'm giving you a love to give to others that never needs to be replaced. What does our time go to? The other thing is, look at what we invest our life into. That means money, time, energy, all those things. Have you all noticed, for those of you who play on social media like Pinterest and Facebook and Amazon, that they're a little creepy? Right? Like, do y'all, like, we will, my, my wife and I, Maisie we'll talk about something, and then there's an ad on, like, Pinterest saying, like, oh, you just talked about basil, and we're like, how does it know that? <laughs> I didn't even Google basil. But it knows. It seems to gather these things creepily. Let's put that phone aside. And compile that information, but it tells us something that everything is going on. Those browsing histories, your search histories, all that, that tells us something about our lives. What does your life browsing history look like? If someone were to go back and look through the things that you search, that you worry about, you look up, what does your life browsing history say about what you love? What makes you feel loved? Where you draw light and hope from? Because when we think about love the most, my hope and prayer is that today, after we leave, at least something in our hearts has spurred. That when we think about what we love most, what makes us feel loved, and what difference love makes, that we picture this. We picture the cross. 
because this is the ultimate example of love that makes all the difference in the world. Is that what we think about when we, when we think, like, look in the mirror in the morning and we see the cross around our neck? Or when we have the crosses, like, in the hall of our house, is that what we look at? Or they just become faded into the background of the busyness of life? Are they gleaming examples of the love God has given us and shown us and the love that he's asking us to give to others? As followers of Jesus, we are called to love one another because God has loved us. We're called to love and see ourselves as the creations that God has created us to be. If you haven't felt loved during this season, just remember this. No matter what, we're broke. Every every one of us is broken. I'm going to fall short in showing love. I'm going to fall short in feeling loved. But this right here tells me that there's never going to be a lack of love from the one source in which I need to draw it from. It's the highest demonstration. It's the highest meaning. And it's the gift that God is graciously extending to each and every one of us, each and every single day. This is the love he offers us as followers of Jesus. If you're in a place where you're not yet making that decision to follow Jesus, this is the love that he's offering you. And guess what? There's no cost to you. He's already paid the price. He paid the ultimate price. This is a gift he's extending out, saying, like, come Come to my, the love that I have to give. Not because we deserve it, but actually precisely and exactly because we don't. The word became flesh and dwelt among us as a manifestation, an example, a showing, a demonstration of the never-ending love that God has for us. And he's asking us and molding us and shaping us to love one another in that same sacrificial, undeserved way. And I hope and pray that that's what God is doing in your heart, he's doing in my heart, and that he continues to do that day by day, little by little. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the love you show us. For the undeserved gift, Lord, for the life and death of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you have brought us and given us new life, eternal life with you. And Lord, we pray that you would write that on our hearts, that your love would invade our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Changing us, transforming us, Lord, so that we can love one another and show other people the same love that you have shown us. Lord, use this to propel us into this season as we follow you in your journey to the cross. Remembering each and every single day, Lord, how great is your love. Holy Spirit, write that on our hearts. In your son's name we pray. Amen.